Well, I'm going to continue on the kind of w- the theme, and w- I think, you know, Tom said it well. We are discerning what the Spirit of God is doing in this season. And as we talked last week, uh, we are in a Kairos moment. That word has been used several times this morning. But God is doing something new in this house. How many are thankful for that? <laughs> Amen. Give him praise. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for moving. But in that, in that process, in this, even with the deliverance, um, presence of the Lord to bring deliverance this morning, the voice of the Lord is saying, do not tolerate your stronghold. And uh, yes, there is a war, and we win that war on the floor and in the presence of God, amen? And so the stronghold, as we talked about last week, stronghold is a fortified thought that gives the enemy authority to, to play games with you. <laughs> and uh, the scripture that Mike began to sing was Romans sixteen nineteen during worship, and the God of peace shall soon crush Satan underneath your feet. And I say in the name of Jesus, he is crushing the enemy under our feet in this season, this Kairos moment, this move of God. And that, pa- that passage also says, be excellent at what is good, be innocent of evil, and the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. And so there is a response. God's looking for us to do that which is good. To, to, to that which is good, to that which is true, to do those things, to obey him in this season. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. Can I have an amen on that? And so in this Kairos moment, we have got to be hearing, all of us, the voice of the Lord. Each of you have a stronghold. And I believe as we get in unity, as the word came forward, we are dismantling every brick in the wall. And, and it's being shattered right now in our midst as we cooperate with the Spirit of God in this season. And I thank you for cooperating. I thank you for engaging in worship. We are pressing into the presence of God, and God is shattering and bringing down strongholds in our life. And I am excited about that. How about you? Amen. Amen. Thank you, God. You know, but some of us, and we, I will say all of us, some of us have been playing around with our strongholds for years. And there is like this drawing a line in the sand where God is saying, not anymore. Draw a line in the sand and start fighting. Start uh, being aggressive. Start pushing forward. Start using the keys of the kingdom to bring down that thing and quit petting it like I talked about last week, right? And so God is helping us to identify strongholds in our lives. He's helping us to identify them. And now he's engaging our heart. And he's saying, will you, in this Kairos moment, will you cooperate with me and bring down that stronghold in your own life? And I thank God he doesn't deal with a bunch of strongholds. He takes one at a time. He's patient. He, just, he, he helps us to break down those barriers. Amen? And so I say, whatever yours is, I, I know God's going to help you, and we are in that season to break it down and, and bring freedom. And so last week we did. We began to assault something last week that keeps us from... Uh, bringing strongholds down in our life and we 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 really assaulted last week unbelief and god gave us some breakthrough there was a deposit that was made in this house where god began to to uh to attack the unbelief within our hearts the mind where the enemy comes to play with us and and unbelief says no you'll never get victory over that stronghold the enemy comes in and he tries to to bring doubt and unbelief inside of you to say no it can never happen it's always going to be this way everyone will you please say no it won't no it's not going to stay the same and god began to assault unbelief last week and began to, to stir our hearts to believe in this season and in this time that God, if through God, all things are possible for them that believe. And so God is breaking Satan's power in unbelief, and we're moving towards those giants. We're moving towards those chains, and when God is shattering them and helping us by his grace and his power to shatter those strongholds and to fight with the weapons that he's given us. And one of our weapons of our our warfare is faith, knowing who he is. 
So our focus last night was, or last week was believing in God's power, his faithfulness, and who he is. He is our way maker, our miracle worker, our promise keeper, our light in the darkness. That is who he is. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He is the one that brings the darkness down. He is the light that dispels darkness. And if you have any area of darkness in your life, He is the one that brings darkness down. He is the way maker. And He is making a way for us in this season. So last week, if I was to put all this into uh, kind of steps of breaking off strongholds in our life, I really would have covered two last week. I would have covered the one, identifying the stronghold that God is wanting to bring you, bring you free from. We have to identify what that is, right, so that you can call it by name and you can start doing war against it. You can activate your will and say, huh, thus far and no more, I'm taking back my land as we sang this morning. And the second thing was we assaulted unbelief and we began to focus our heart on believing God. And one of the things that I said and probably didn't emphasize enough you're not going to get free from your stronghold by focusing on your stronghold. It's going to be because you're focusing on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Two people in the last week have said, the Lord has spoken to me to put off the, the, the spirit of heaviness and put on the garment of praise. Well, that's transferring the, the garment of, or the, the spirit of heaviness, which is the oppression, which is, which is the stronghold, and God is saying, put on the garment of praise. You cannot, be, you can't praise God without knowing who he is, because what we're doing is we're praising him for his attributes. We're praising him for his glory. We're praising him for who he is, and praise is part of our arsenal. Your song has a sound. Your song. You have a sound that I don't have. Whenever we were worshiping here, I whistle. It is a sound that breaks down walls. I'm sorry. Every once in a while, you'll see, see hear me give a shoe. Well, that is a sound that I release, and the Lord just confirmed it this morning. It reverberates something different that you don't give. But the third thing that I want to go in today as we're pressing into this stuff and as we're praising the Lord and, and, and God's revealing keys to the kingdom and he's revealing how he wants to, the third thing that I want to talk about today is identificational repentance. You may want to write that down today. You may have not heard that term, identificational repentance. We've heard the term repentance, but we don't really hear the word identificational repentance and I'm going to go into that today. I believe it's a key of what God's wanting to do and use with us today. I will say this. The word identificational repentance is not in the Bible. You will not find it. You will not find the word rapture in the Bible. You realize that? It's not a term in the Bible that you see. You will not see the word trinity in the Bible. But these, these, these words that we use come from themes in the Bible. They come from, from principles in the word. And so I'm going to talk about identificational repentance today because I believe it's really, really critical in us moving forward in what God has for us and to bring the freedom that God wants to bring us. And so in the Bible, there are themes and where identificational repentance comes from is from a theme or principles out of the word. We all know that you reap what you If a man sows wickedness and if he sows corruption, what does he receive? He, he reaps that corruption back on him, right? We know that if I sow faith, that faith comes back at me. I know if I, if I sow good seeds of righteousness and holiness, if I sow seeds into the kingdom, I reap back the kingdom, right? And so there is this sowing and reaping principle in the word that we know is there. And one of the controversies in Christianity today is about generational sins and curses. Do generational sins and curses exist? Many in the evangelical world do not believe they exist. And I'm not going to build a long case today about generational curses, but some of the verses that we read in the Bible, there are times where th scriptures in the Word show that there are generational curses or generational sins that push against us. And then there are also scriptures that say that your sin doesn't follow. 
And I'm going I'm to go into that just a little bit today. But does God visit the sins of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation or not? Are there generational curses? Some verses say yes, some verses say no. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to get in the Word a little bit, and I'm going to begin to show you some things. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I just want to set a biblical principle that I believe there, there's a principle in the Word of God that shows us, even though there is not a scripture that says there is that, that, that identificational repentance is a, a biblical term, there is a principle in the word that we're going to come against today, and God is going to break some strongholds in us today through identificational repentance. Anybody want that? So in uh, Exodus 34 and Deuteronomy 5, the Lord visits the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. That's one passage. It's there in two places. And then in Leviticus, because of their iniquity and also because of the iniquities of their fathers, they shall rot away like them. And so there's this, this thing where the sins of the father seems to visit the third and fourth generation. And we know out of Romans 5.12 that the scripture is talking about Adam here. It says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sin. There is, we have been born into sin, have we not? We have been born into strongholds. Is that not true? And it is the redemption, it is the power of Jesus Christ that shatters all of that. Is that not true? But it is a fact that you have been, and there are sins that I believe put pressure on you that come from your generational line. Now, there are other scriptures that then say maybe not. So let me look at a couple of those. This is where the disagreement comes. The son shall not suffer for the iniquity of the father, nor the father suffer the iniquity of the son. Fathers shall not be put to death because of their children, nor shall children be put to death because of their fathers. So where do these passages fit together? Do sins follow generational lines or not? And what I want to say to us all today, whether you believe in generational sins, whether it's biblical or not, guess what? Don't get hung up on, on terminology, okay? We all know, and most people recognize, that, that, that behaviors are passed down to your children and your children's children. It doesn't take a brain scientist to see that something's happening generationally between generational lines. I mean, even the doctors realize, when you go to the doctor, what do they ask you? What do they, they ask you, your, you know, what are your genetics? What, what, what's in your family? You know, is there cancer in your family? Is there anxiety in your family? Is there depression in your family? Is there, is there uh, problems with the sphincter muscle in your family? What, I mean, what's going on? I mean, literally, there are things that, that get passed down through the generational line, whether it's behavior, whether it's, it's a curse, whatever you want to call it. I really don't care what you call it. I just know there's been things that's been handed to me. Anybody else? Yeah. All that stinking stuff? And so get beyond the terminology right now, whether that word curse really hurts you or, or, or offends you. I realize that that stuff is if we will just acknowledge that, the, that there is a, a pattern within our families, I believe it will help us in getting freedom in where God's taking us if we'll just understand there is a principle here. Are you with me on that? And so we're going to press into that. So, but the questions, I believe, I, I believe the sins, here's what I believe, and you can believe whatever you want, I believe the sins of my parents and my grandparents and my grandparents have affected me. I just do. Now, it doesn't mean that I don't take responsibility for mine, but I believe they have affected me. However, I also believe that the curse or the pressure to sin can be broken and has been broken. So although I believe that my generational line, that, that whether you call it a curse or whether you call it pressure to sin or pressure to follow in that example, or to, I mean, whether you believe you're not overcoming your fears and anxiety, that that, that doesn't get to your kid, there's just pressure 
that's there on the outside pushing hard towards your kids. But I believe that the grace of God has been provided for us. And there's a way and a break and a, and a freedom from generational bondage. A freedom and a, and, a, and, a, and a bondage breaker that comes and he brings freedom to the captives. He's come that he might break the chains of bondage in our lives and bring freedom to us in Jesus' name. I believe depression can be broken. I believe anxiety can be broken. I believe generational junk can be broken off of us. And I believe the grace of God does that. He breaks that generational pressure to sin and to break freedom from the stronghold of our lives and in the lives of our children and our children's children. I tell you what, every time I hold my granddaughter, man, every time I hold her, and we were worshiping the other day in our family room and the TV was on with a song we're going to do at the end of the service. You guys know it. It's the, the blessing song. And, you know, we were worshiping the Lord, and I'm just declaring over my granddaughter, you shall be blessed to a thousand generations. Your children and your children's children will be blessed, and they will know the Lord, and they will come to the Lord at an early age, and we begin to just make declarations over our grandchildren that the blessing of a Christian family, that that blessing is going to go to my children and to my children's children, and that a thousand generations, and I'm going to, I'm going to strike down that, that generation generational garbage of, of, of the sins going to my children and my children's children. Anybody else want to go with me on that one? So identificational repentance is one of the steps I believe we need to take right now to break free of those generational curses, the generational pressure, the generational sin, whatever you want to call it. I believe it's a step that we need to take, and we're going to walk through that together today in unity because I believe the enemy's authority has been operating in your life for way too long. I believe the enemy's authority has been operating in our lives way too long. And even this morning with worship, those things were beginning to be shaken the, the sound from heaven that was coming forward was beginning to break some things in the spirit. And I want to reestablish your legal right to take authority over the stronghold and to take authority over my stronghold. Anybody want the legal right back? Well, it's been provided for you through Jesus. We just have to appropriate it, right? We want to kick him out and appropriate what Christ has already done by breaking the curse on your behalf. And in identificational repentance, what we do is we confess the sins of our fathers and our own sin in the area that we are struggling with. So it's going to be important today, as we get to the end of the service, you know the area that God's wanting to break. Maybe you're already sensing a breakthrough. Maybe you're already sensing the Spirit of God is working. But what we want to do within generation, or through repentance, through, through identificational repentance, what we do is we confess the sins of our fathers before us and our own in this area. Now, I can't repent for my family. Because repent means to turn your mind. It means to, it means to change your mind. It means a 180-degree turn. I can't change my family's line. But there is a confessing of their sin. There is a confessing of what they have done that I have then in turn accepted and received and done myself. I identify with the sin that has been passed down to me and I confess that generational sin to Christ and then I repent and turn from it in my life. I appropriate by faith what Christ has done and I receive his power and his authority over my sins and strongholds. Now you may say, well, Eric, how in the world can you confess the sins of your family? Well, that's what we're doing here. That's what I'm talking about in this identificational repentance. You say, where, how is that even biblical? Well, there are some scriptures about it. You want to see one? In Leviticus, it says, but if they confess the iniquity, their iniquity, and the iniquity of their fathers, if then their uncircumcised heart is humbled, and they make amends for their iniquity, then I will remember my covenant with Jacob. 
And so what Jacob was doing, Jacob was repenting. They, they were repenting of the sins of their fathers, and God was reestablishing the covenant as they did that. Here's another one. It's not, whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Anybody want to renounce those sins? Confess them and renounce them? We're going to do some of that today at the end of the service. We're going to break some devil derriere. How's that? So identificational repentance is what we do when we ask God to forgive our nation for its national sins. How many times do we go to the Father and we confess the sin of our nation? We confess abortion as sin. We confess uh, slavery. We confess, confess the apathy. We confess all these things over our nation, asking God to forgive our nation and to turn our nation back to God. That is identificational repentance. Does anybody ever do that? I know. Last Sunday after I preached, I went home and I was wore out. <laughs> And we had meetings all day. We had uh, all kinds of stuff going on. And I was just sitting, and I was relaxing before my next meeting at 6. And the word identificational repentance came up. And I was like, that's weird. I mean, that's not a term anybody uses a lot, right? And it's not even a, a phrase. I even had to remind myself what it was. <laughs> but I knew when the Lord put that in my heart, I knew that there was some power behind it of why God was bringing it up. Confession of sin and personal repentance are keys to breaking off strongholds in our life. Do you hear me? Confession of sin and personal repentance are keys to breaking off strongholds from our lives and bringing purification to our lives. It is how God wants you to do it. He doesn't want you to work yourself up in a frenzy and try harder. It is not self-effort that you break strongholds. If it was, all of us would already be free from our strongholds. In identificational repentance, we are being convicted by the Spirit of God on a stronghold that's in our life right now and we are then taking that stronghold and we, that we believe has been passed down generationally through the bloodline and this stronghold has a hook in you it has a hook in me And you're saying, I don't want that hook in me any longer. Mike talked about how he had a rough week. Guess what? God's trying to break off a stronghold. And I've seen this all week. I saw it all week. It's like the strongholds manifested even stronger after we kicked off unbelief. It's like people got demon slayings all over them. Things were popping up and people were fighting and things were going on like crazy in people's lives. The devil doesn't want to let loose. But it's time to fully surrender because when we have a stronghold, there's an area of our life that is not fully surrendered to God. And you want it gone from your life and you do not want it transferred to your children. Dear God, we don't want it transferred to our children. I know depression hurts people. Fear and anxiety hurts people. It hurts our family. Man, when you got fear on you, you will control your kids and you will make life miserable on your kids because your fear manifests and then you protect and you do all kinds of stupid stuff to bring control so that your fear can be dealt with. Gluttony hurts others. Sexual sin hurts others. Insecurity hurts others. Rejection hurts others. I can go over the list over and over. Every one of us have things that God is dealing with our hearts. Does it grieve you? Does it grieve you that your sin hurts other people? 
Do you see that it hurts other people? Do you see that people are hurt by your stronghold? Do you think you're the only one being affected by your stronghold? It should grieve you. And in identificational repentance, that grieving should turn to godly sorrow and regret. And when there is true sorrow and regret in your heart for the stronghold of sin in your life, that godly sorrow leads you to repentance. That godly sorrow leads you to repentance. And that repentance, generationally, you look back and you begin to say, Oh God, I am sorry that I have cooperated with this generational sin from my family. I am so sorry that I have participated in that. God, I confess that sin of my parents and my parents' parents generationally, God. And God, I ask that you would forgive me for participating in it. And that godly sorrow leads you to this identificational repentance that breaks its hold over you. How do I know that's true? Look what Paul said to the Corinthian church. He said, godly sorrow brings repentance. Everybody say that with me. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow, on the other hand, brings death. And I will say worldly sorrow for my stronghold is what I've walked in most of my life rather than godly sorrow. See what godly sorrow has produced in you. What earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourselves, to make things right. What indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. This second letter to the Corinthians came on the hills of a first letter where he was correcting the church in Corinth and he hurt them. He corrected them for sexual sin and strongholds about sexual sin. There was a guy sleeping with his mother's family. It was crazy. It was crazy what they were doing. They couldn't even prophesy one at a time. The other one wanted to prophesy first. They couldn't even share food without the first one barging in and wanting to be fed and eat all the food so there was no food for others. They were selfish. There were strongholds in the, in the Corinthian church. And Paul sent his letter and he said, it should not be so in the house of God. And his letter hurt them. And he said, I'm sorry it hurt you, but I'm glad my letter caused you sorrow. Because the sorrow, the guilt, the, the conviction of the Spirit of God that came through my letter actually brought change. Because the sorrow that you experienced led you to repentance. Do you realize you cannot repent over your stronghold if you do not have godly sorrow? You can't even change a whip stitch of your life without godly sorrow. And I've been convicted of it. I've been convicted of where is your sorrow, Eric, over your own stronghold? And can I get vulnerable with you? It's not been very sorrowful in my house. Godly sorrow brings repentance. But there is no grieving in the house of God over the strongholds of his people. Where is the grieving? Where is the godly sorrow over the stronghold that's in your life and that's been bound to your family generationally? Where is the grieving that when you see your children go through some of the same things that you did and you realize you have not broken free yourself? Where is the grief? Where is the godly sorrow? Where is, oh God, forgive me? can't even repent without godly sorrow. If your stronghold or sin does not grieve you, 
and produce sorrow, you won't be free. Jesus died in vain. He took it all for you so that you could be free. And you didn't appropriate his grace to that part of your life. I've been asking God to soften my heart. And asking him to generate godly sorrow within my own heart for my own stronghold. I ain't there yet. My own pride. What about you? Is there any godly sorrow for what you're putting people through? Is there any godly sorrow in you for the relational breakdowns? Oh God, work a work of godly sorrow in our hearts. God, break off the hardness of our hearts. God, let us see the strongholds for what they are. And God, help us. Because God, we cannot help ourselves. It is all through you. So again, I ask you, does your stronghold grieve your heart? And does it bring you godly sorrow? Really, the purpose and the goal of identificational repentance is to be able to help you to embrace the reality of God's kingdom. That in God's kingdom, there is no depression. In God's kingdom, there is no sickness and disease. In God's kingdom, there is no anxiety and fear. In God's kingdom, there is no relational conflict. In God's kingdom, there is no sin. And so identificational repentance is wanting to bring the kingdom of heaven to the earth through you. That through repentance, through confession and repentance, that I literally, I bring heaven to my life in the area of my stronghold. I bring heaven to earth through confession and repentance. Being repentant foundationally means to change the way you think. That literally, I'm changing my thinking <clears throat> in my stronghold area from heaven's perspective. I'm changing my perspective, which is a stronghold of the enemy, which is a lie and deception, and God has freedom for me, and I'm, 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 changing, I'm changing kingdoms. I'm changing kingdoms. I'm changing the place of my dwelling and the, my thinking. To change my fortified thoughts to his thoughts. See, that's what a stronghold is. is a stronghold is a fortified thought that I'm thinking the way the kingdom of darkness is thinking rather than the kingdom of light and the sun. And I am pulling heaven. I'm pulling heaven into that darkness. I'm pulling the kingdom of heaven into that darkness. And through godly sorrow and repentance, I'm breaking up that fallow, that hard ground in my heart to change the way I think so that it gives me the power to repent and turn from my wicked ways that I might turn towards the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and his way of doing things. That's good stuff. It involves changing the way you think about God and His ways. It changes the way you think about yourself. How many of us sabotage ourselves about ourselves? How many of us crucify our character and our nature? And those thoughts have to be renewed because those thoughts then lead to behavior.
And God ultimately wants to break through the stronghold so that we see others differently. Because the reason we don't have unity is because we have judgment. (laughs) That in that prophetic dream that was just reminded of us when Ron Gideon gave that prophetic word, as long as we stayed unified and pressing towards the kingdom and God, that we kept pushing back the kingdom of darkness. But as soon as we started looking to the left and the right of everybody's sin and all their problems, then all of a sudden the unity was lost and we began to be defeated by the enemy. And so our thoughts need to be renewed in how we see each other if we're really going to have the unity that we declared this morning. Because unfortunately, we see what's wrong with each other than rather than what we see is right with each other. I've been on a negativity fast, and I've had to shut my mouth a few times in the negativity fast. So, identificational repentance breaks the enemy's legal rights to us and our children as we appropriate his grace and forgiveness into our lives. And that's when giants fall. That's when strongholds get broken. That's when chains get shattered. You take the shackles off my feet so that I can dance. And I begin to praise him. And as I begin to praise him, more shackles come off because I begin to see him for who he really is. (laughs) Gotta preach. So confession and repentance of strongholds and sin bring us back into the covenant blessing of the Lord to shatter those strongholds. Anybody want that? Anybody want godly sorrow? Well, I do have some good news for you, okay? I don't want to concentrate on all the strongholds too long because, you know, we might get a little depressed. And I don't want that stronghold. There is good news that if we confess our sins, our strongholds, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. <laughs> Somebody say amen. amen. And how much unrighteousness does he purify us from? All. I can't hear you. All. Who? 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 Jesus purifies you from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all, I want to say, from all my strongholds. Everybody say, from all my strongholds. strongholds. He will purify me from all my strongholds. And then in Deuteronomy, know therefore that the the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. Who loves him? Who loves the Lord in this house? Who wants to obey his commands? Who wants to bring heaven to earth? Because when you do, the blessing comes to you and your children's children for a thousand generations. For those that love him. So, one more scripture before we go into some time of prayer. Romans 5, 12, and 17 say this. We read this earlier, talking about Adam. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned, guess what gets to happen because of the one man, Jesus? But because of the one man, Jesus, there's something else that gets to happen. For if by the trespass of the one man, Adam, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace, everybody say grace, Grace. and of the gift of righteousness, say the gift of righteousness, righteousness. will reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. The good news is you have righteousness. You have been justified by him. And you have the power over sin, death, and hell, and the grave. 
The same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you. Say, He dwells in me. And He shall quicken what? My mortal body. Not just physical healing, strongholds, things in my life. He's going to quicken that to me because of what he did on the cross for us. We're here in a couple of three weeks. We're going to be celebrating Easter. We're going to have some hoedown showdown. (laughs) We're going to remember what he did, but we need to be reminded today what has been purchased for you. You have been purchased righteousness. by the way that's really good news because strongholds do not have to keep you bound and today we are going to break some of that off through praying we're going to put on a song and we're going to have it quietly first I've asked Shelly to help us this morning to walk us through identificational repentance and giants are going to fall Everybody say, giants are going to fall. We are going to take authority over the strong man that has kept you bound, and we're going to take authority over it through identificational repentance today. And we're going to bring down some demonic strongholds and things that have kept us bound generationally. And I believe God is going to also bring a, a breaking in of godly sorrow. I, I want you guys to cooperate with the Spirit of God. There is, there, that deliverance spirit is here today. That deliverance presence of God is here today to break off strongholds. And we've got to move into this thing of godly sorrow and His kindness that leads me to repentance as we move through this prayer. God bless you, Shelley. If you could put the music on really quiet. So I'm, I'm going to um, just read some of this prayer to you. I, um, I just got alone with the Lord yesterday and kind of formulated a prayer. And, um, but I want to appeal to your logic um, first. I want you to understand what you're praying so that then when I lead you through it, you know, you'll, you'll have a grasp for it. Um, but it, it says, Father God, I come to you in the name of Jesus, and I acknowledge my stronghold in sin and confess it before you. I recognize that this stronghold in sin has shown up in the generations before me. Therefore, I confess these sins on behalf of my parents and ancestors, and I confess my sin of tolerance for cooperating with these sins, and I break agreement with it. I forgive my parents and ancestors for operating in this stronghold and for the way that their sins affected me. I acknowledge the pain their sin caused me, And I see how that pain partnered with fear and led me into my own version of sin, whether it be the same sin or a different sin because of overcorrection. And I want to stop right there for a minute because, you know, so many times we say, oh, well, I don't I don't walk in the same sin as my parents. I went the polar opposite direction. And uh that happens a lot. And a lot of times we make this vow and we say, I will never be like my parents. Well, I want you to know that is not a holy declaration. You just partnered with the enemy. Right? Okay. So you do end up picking up that generational sin because you end up doing that polar opposite, but it's that same stronghold. Okay. Anyway, and then I see how my sin has affected my family, hurt those around me, hindered my witness in my ministry, and has hurt you, Jesus, and may godly sorrow fall on me. So there's more to it than as we receive the blessing, but I really wanted your your logic to understand this as I walk you through it, because I'll be breaking it up into sections, and I want you to understand what you're praying and what you're breaking agreement with, okay? All right, so whatever you need to do um, for this to, to touch your heart, if you need to stand, then stand. If you need to sit, then sit. If you need to just cover your eyes like this, do that. If you need to move to a different place so that you're not close to someone, do that. You know, just, just get into a place where you're, it's just you and the Lord right now, okay? And so I just want you to, yeah, get, in, get wherever you need to be. And then just repeat after me. 
Father God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And I acknowledge my stronghold in sin. And I confess it before you. And then just take a minute to, to just get that in front of you. I recognize that this stronghold in sin has shown up in the generations before me. Therefore, I confess these sins on behalf of my parents and ancestors. And I confess my sin of tolerance for cooperating with these sins. And I break agreement with it. I forgive my parents and ancestors for operating in this stronghold and for the way their sins affected me. I acknowledge the pain their sin caused me. And I see how that pain partnered with fear. and led me into my own version of sin. Whether it be the same sin or a different sin because of overcorrection. I renounce any vow that I have made that says I will never be like someone I see how my sin has affected my family, hurt those around me, hindered my witness and my ministry, and has hurt you, Jesus. May godly sorrow fall on me and lead me to repentance. Yes, God, let the godly sorrow fall. Lord, let us feel the sorrow. Yes, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I am moved by your kindness. I am led by your kindness. Just take a minute and just praise him for his kindness that leads us to repentance. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. This is a tough one, but important. I receive your your forgiveness. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for your forgiveness. Because you forgive me, I choose to forgive myself for the consequences that I created. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So just take a minute right there. I just feel that forgiving ourselves is so important. You think about the consequences that our sin has splashed on. So just take a minute. Jesus has forgiven you. It is time for you to forgive yourself. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that because of your grace, we can forgive ourselves. Thank you, Lord. Okay. I break agreement with these strongholds that are holding this sin in place. I appropriate grace and the power of the cross to bring healing and hope in my life. I receive the blessing that you have for me and my future generations 
So just take a minute to just receive a blessing from the Lord. He wants to make a divine exchange with you right now. As you trade in your blessing, what does he want to give you in exchange? So just take a minute. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So whatever blessing he began to give you, just begin to declare that out loud now. Begin to give him praise right now. And if you just want to turn the music up, just start praising him. Praise him for the generational blessings that he's giving you and your family for a thousand generations. Begin to praise him. Praise him for removing generational pressure to sin. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, God. We praise you. Yes, God, yes. It is done. Amen. It is done. It is done. It is broken. It is broken off the generations. It is not going to be passed down anymore. Praise you, God, for that. Praise you for the divine exchange that happens, that you give beauty for ashes, God, that you give a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, Lord, that you give blessing instead of cursing, God. We just appropriate the cross right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, God, for the conviction of sin. Thank you for holiness right now, that you are giving holiness in Jesus' name. Thank you for a clear conscience, God. Thank you. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. So just continue to praise. Just agree with the song. Just pray that over your generations in Jesus' name. He's declaring this over you. He is for you. No longer will you be chased down by calamity that is done in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Praise your name, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, thank you, God. Yes, we praise you.